0: Here's Reinman in the Morning, On Demand, from 1021 and 105.3, The Shark. You know my next guest from one of our favorite sitcoms, The Nanny, and you can see him now in the stage adaptation of Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code at the Agunquit Playhouse. Welcome to Reinman in the Morning, Charles Shaughnessy. Mr. Shaughnessy, how's it going?
1: It's going just great, thanks, John. We, um... We opened on uh, Saturday, and the show's uh, up on its feet, and um packing them in.
0: We're happy to have you here. Is this your first time performing in a gun quit?
1: No, uh, it's actually my third, and, and strangely uh, strangely enough, it's my third time looking for the Holy Grail. I, I, I played King Arthur in Spamalot twice, once in 2010, and once in the Big Tent a couple of years ago during the COVID shutdown, and... Uh, they had the big tent outside, and uh, mm-hmm. now I'm uh, looking for the Grail yet again in the Da Vinci Code. So there's something <laughs> about the Holy Grail and the Conquest for me.
0: You got to keep trying, man.
1: <laughs> you got to keep trying. First you gotta, time lucky. You got to get the Find
0: My Grail app for your phone. That's what makes it easy That's to fair. find. Them. Yeah. Oh, uh, what are your favorite things to do while you're here in Maine and New England?
1: Well, uh, the, uh, the, the taffy is good, and the lob- lobsters and taffy uh, are both good. You know, can't be missed. Um, I actually uh, went to do an event the other evening at Newburyport yeah. um, and stayed with a friend in Topsfield, um, which is a, a little town um, just between here and Newburyport. Sure. Uh, actually, a little bit further than Newburyport. Yep. And it's just, you know, the, every, every little town you go to is just like out of a storybook it's just uh, such a beautiful part of the world.
0: Thank you so much for saying that. And this is an amazing story. You're you're in the stage adaptation of The Da Vinci Code. Did you read the novel when it first came out?
1: I did. I read it. Um I wasn't one of the sort of first, but there was so much buzz about it. I kind of thought, well, I better find out what this is all about the buzz. And it, and I enjoyed it. It's uh it's a fascinating story. Um the The sort of overall story, and then what Dan Brown did was sort of add the the a kind of murder mystery and um you know these characters um and it it's It was a fantastic read, it made a really exciting movie, and now we've got this really exciting play on stage.
0: Well, I, speaking of that, I saw that Dan was actually in attendance on opening weekend. So what is going through your mind when the author Dan Brown is right there watching you perform his work on stage?
1: It, yeah, it was a little nerve-wracking. I mean, it wasn't I wasn't particularly uh, extra nervous. I knew that Dan was very involved and keen to have this happen. And he's such a he's such a nice man and so supportive and so enthusiastic um and you know was very much part of the process it wasn't like i didn't feel like we were presenting it to someone who was going to be very critical um he was kind of supportive from the outset and um had nothing but nice things to say and and encouraging things to say uh and it was just a real thrill i mean it was uh, the whole thing has been an extraordinary experience. This is the first time it's been done on stage in America. Yeah. Um, and to have the author, to have Dan there um, kind of rooting for us um, and being there, and he's going to be coming back, I think, to see it uh, during the run. Oh, good. Um, it's been a kind of fantastic opportunity.
0: And as you mentioned, you're familiar with the area, not your first time performing here in the area. You also performed in Beverly, Massachusetts. That's where my mom grew up. You're at the North Shore Music Theater. What would you say are the biggest differences, though, between Maine and Massachusetts coming here, just objectively?
1: Wow. Uh, uh, That's tough. Um, Maine, I mean, from the little I know of of either of them, um, Maine is a little, seems to be more rugged, more, um, there's there's a lot of um, contrast, you know, with the the main coast and then you go in and you've got all the lake area. Right. Um Massachusetts is a little more rounded, a little more um sort of rolling hills sort of um, you know, Berkshire feel to it. Um uh they both are beautiful in their own right. Um I think the sort of the, the landscape here in Maine is, is more my kind of landscape. Um. I like the kind of um, slightly uh, tougher uh, landscape uh, in a way. Um, but, you know, I've only seen a bit, and the bits I've seen are just, you know, stunning. I mean, Ogunquit itself is stunning. And um, uh, further up the coast, you know, up the way to, to Portland, uh, Portsmouth. I mean, they're all just beautiful places.
0: And the audience, as I imagine, have been tremendous, right, for this run so far? The
1: audiences have been great. You know, they're very excited to be seeing something new. And this is only the second play uh, that Ogunquit has done in recent memory. They usually do musicals. So the audience has been intrigued. They, A lot of them know the book, so they're fascinated to see it on stage. Um, and they've been extremely enthusiastic, I think. It looks from the stage that we've been selling out pretty much yeah um I can't see many uh, empty seats, so yeah the whole thing is um is very exciting and it's um it's it was a lot of work you know we we rehearsed it in New York and because it was new um there was a lot of workshopping as well. We were very fortunate enough to have Rachel Wagstaff, one of the writers of the play, with us in new york so um we we could workshop some of the script as we were rehearsing, so it was really quite a bit of um intense rehearsals uh, to get us up to here and the play is very tech heavy there's a lot of um lighting cues and sound cues um it's it's uh it's a very tech heavy show so it was a lot of work but it seems to have paid off it's uh it's it moves at a cracking pace the audiences are very um vociferous at the end in their support uh and we're having a great time on stage
0: and it's so important uh not just for audiences but for performers as well because we were going through a tough thing right now with the sag after a strike and uh, yeah. uh you know i i know that you know i'm i'm in wga i'm a i'm a writer so i i'm happy to see that a lot of people support this cause uh what's a good way for people to show their support for actors during a time like this i mean going to live theater one right
1: going to live theater you know and, and it's something that i think might you know I've been feeling recently that live theater could have a big revival because um you know TV and movies have have sort of spun off into a different place. A lot mm-hmm. of the movies are now these big dGI driven franchise movies, and even the TV is moving into that sort of big epic arena. Yeah. um and so to see something that where you know you're seeing real actors and there's an immediacy, and a kind of emotional engagement for the audience. Live theatre is the only thing that can do that for you. So, um, uh, I think that it's going to help live theatre. And certainly, yeah, if audiences uh, uh, respond to that, um, the more they come, the more live theatre we can do. It's an economic, you know, model. It's a balance. Um, no one gets rich in theatre. The Gunquit Playhouse is a nonprofit. A lot of theatres are nonprofit. So. Um, it's a it's a kind of um, uh, it's a gift for everyone when an audience comes because uh, it keeps literally keeps the plays going. So yeah, come and see plays. And um, yeah, I hope I hope that the SAG-AFTRA and the WGA sort themselves out. I hope we can get to some um, reasonable place. Uh, but it's a changing landscape. It's yeah. a very very different time right now.
0: And, you know, because of those things, it's, we, we can't talk a whole lot at length about the nanny, which is too bad. So, some other time uh, when the strike's over, I'd love to
1: <laughs> catch up with you. Yeah, on that. I don't but, know how that works. I was reading about that. But, that, I mean, I guess we can't. I mean, well, it's not like it's in production. So, I, and it's a sort of. Um, I don't know how that works.
0: Well, <laughs> if we I will say that I, I love the show. I can say that. Right. Uh, but also, right. we have the connective tissue, which is that your co star, Fran Drescher. The president of SAG-AFTRA. Yes. How does it make you feel to see someone you worked with, that your friend, and she's up there? She's the president of SAG-AFTRA.
1: Yeah. Well, of- I'm not. You know, she's a force of nature, Fran. She's. I'm not surprised, um, and I don't think. That, you know, this is as far as she goes. I think, Fran, mm-hmm. uh, there's no stopping her. She, she's um, extremely passionate. She's very smart. She's very good at understanding what situations are she she can walk in a room and size it up mm-hmm. and um and you know with the great charm bully everyone into um you know behaving themselves and moving things forward uh she's got the gifts of, gr- of a great producer which ironically makes her a great leader of the union um she knows both sides and she has that kind of force of personality so i'm uh I'm delighted for her, I'm proud of her, but I'm not entirely surprised.
0: The Da Vinci Code runs through September 23rd at the Agonkwit Playhouse in Agonkwit, Maine. Visit org. My next guest is a comedian who has appeared on Jimmy Kimmel Live, The Late Show with David Letterman, and The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. Welcome to Rhyming in the Morning, Wendy Liebman. How's it going, Wendy?
2: Thank you so much. I'm packing for my trip. (laughs)
0: <laughs> wow yeah you're put uh, do you put it off to the last minute are you like me kind of you go i'll figure it out before i go
2: you know what i think i think about it for a week uh-huh. and then i um slowly put things aside that i know i'm gonna pack and uh now i'm packing while i'm watching barnaby jones <laughs>
0: so, <laughs> that's the only way to do it really
2: <laughs> either okay, that have- or matlock
0: Right. Yeah, Matlock's the big one. Such a friendly guy, always busting everybody. Do you know the theory? Did you ever watch Murder, She Wrote? Did you ever watch that when it was on?
2: Yeah, and my husband said she's the one who is murdering everybody.
0: I agree. I think that's the theory. <laughs> that's, that's a big theory up here. <laughs> do you know in New England? Because you started out here in New England, right? Doing comedy.
2: I, I did. Um, I started doing comedy in Boston after taking a class at the Cambridge Center for Adult Education, if you can believe it. And um, my teacher is Ron Lynch. Not sure you're familiar with him, but he's been on the Sarah Silverman program. Yeah. And, yeah. And um, I have such a, a wonderful place in my life. Uh, Boston was just so wonderful. I was there doing stand-up for six years before I moved to California.
0: And so so, isn't
2: that where you started too?
0: Yeah, that is that is where I started. But what's interesting is that you you were at Harvard. You were a psychology researcher. Is that correct? Do I have that right?
2: I did that for a year before I decided to do stand up. And while I was doing stand up, I was working at Radcliffe um, at the Bunting Institute, which yeah. is a fellowship program for women. And they were just very supportive of me. So I. Got to come in a little bit later because you know we go out at night to do stand-up and we don't get back until late and uh so it was just a wonderful time in my life
0: what were some venues were there any venues because like back in the circuit in the in the 80s and 90s or all these rooms all around new england and northern new england were there any places that stand out to you as crazy gigs in like new hampshire maine vermont places like that
2: I once performed in Connecticut at a place called Spudgy's, and I thought that was the craziest name of a comedy club, uh-huh. Um But I, yeah, I used to perform in Nashua, New Hampshire at a place called Crackers, and I started at um, Stitches on Commonwealth Avenue sure. and played against Sam's and the Comedy Connection, and I did Knicks a few times. And then Catch Rising Star opened in Cambridge, and that was that became my home club. Uh, I do miss a certain uh, way of life that I don't. I don't know how to describe it, but there's a lot I miss about New England. I can't wait to perform there again. I haven't performed there since um, the club in Faneuil Hall closed. Not Motley's. It was
0: a Comedy Connection. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The
2: comedy connection. Yeah.
0: Who else was in your comedy class coming up in New England? Like who'd you start up with when you were going for the first time?
2: Um, Laura Keitlinger.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: oh, yeah. my favorite comic of all time, um, Brian Kiley.
0: Oh my gosh. The best.
2: He then went on to write for Conan for the length of his show. I, I would say he might,
0: he might be the best monologue writer of all time for Late Night for my money i think he's he's up he's a machine for people don't for those who don't know brian was at conan for i think 30 straight years right and i
2: think the whole time that's just
0: unbelievable and he's just um, he's such a nice guy but he's a machine i say he's the silent assassin just because he's 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 like a serial killer where it's like you're like oh he's such a nice guy but he can write such tough jokes you know he's
2: hilarious but he's also a fiction writer and i haven't read his books they're incredible uh one is called maybe kevin and the other is the um i'm blanking on it because it's too early for me
0: (laughs) well let me ask you because you're you have such great wonderful tight jokes memorable one-liners i mean just stuff that everyone quotes all the time what is i hate this question but i have to ask it what is your process for when you write stuff do you sit down and write or do you kind of just take notes in a notepad i'm kind of like the notepad guy
2: I'm kind of like the notepad girl, yeah. um, but it's post-it notes and oh. index cards, and they're all over my desk right now as I'm talking to you. Uh, I'll just write down something, in, you know, even on my phone in my notes. I'll write something down, and I'll think that's a good premise. Um, also, I do a lot of crossword puzzles. And I find that my mind wanders when I do them, and they wander. It wanders into joke land. Interesting. So I'm constantly finding ideas in my crossword puzzle books. Yeah, that the- I've written down.
0: Yeah, Do you, just don't mess up on stage and just all of a sudden, 27 across. I mean, no, I didn't mean to.
2: <laughs> well, I think my biggest claim to fame in my 38-year career is that I was 23 down in a crossword puzzle for New York Magazine.
0: Hey, there you go. I know. That's I awesome. Know. Well, another claim to fame, and this is something I always love talking to people about, because, I mean, to me, this is like meeting Santa Claus. You were on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson. Can you walk me through how they... Did they find you in Boston? Were you out in L.A.? How did that happen?
2: So Bud Friedman's wife, Bud owned the improv. He recently passed away yeah. at the age of 90. His wife saw me performing in Boston and told Bud I was funny. So thank you, Alex Friedman. Hey. Um, and so I came out to L.A., to participate in the Johnny Walker comedy search and I competed, competed, which I I don't like competing for to be the funniest, but that's what you did. Um, And I didn't win. Ultimately it was John Henton won, but the guy from the tonight show, the booker saw me there and said, why haven't we seen you before? So he said, would, would you like to do the Tonight Show in two weeks? So I got back on the plane to go back to Boston to my day job. And two weeks later, I came back to L.A. and was on the Tonight Show. And then I thought, I can die now <laughs> and be happy about it. But um, I've since, it, it was really thrilling. Yeah. I don't remember much of it. Um but I have witnesses,
0: oh interesting, he
2: said I was on the show, and an <laughs> uncle of mine who was this brilliant um, doctor, he never really paid much attention to me until I was on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and then he was really proud of me, so, um, it helped me and my family um and then since I've been on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and yeah. I just got to open for him recently here. Once at Flappers, which is a comedy club in Burbank, and once at the Comedy and Magic yeah, in Hermosa Beach. So that's thrilling to me even now.
0: How's he doing? Is he... Because Jay was the first person to give me a break as as a writer. Is he doing okay? He's had some incidents lately with his vehicles.
2: Well, yeah, he was in an accident in his garage, and then... A week later, I was opening for him at Flappers, and he said to my husband in the green room, do you want to see the pictures? And he showed my (laughs) husband—I was on stage—and he showed my husband— what it looked like and then he looked amazing I'm like oh maybe I should get that facial treatment <laughs> look so good
0: that's such a Jay <laughs> thing though hey you want to see the pictures want to see any- <laughs> yeah take a look at this as you come back what's been going on with, with Wendy Liebman like what, what's been what have you found f- particularly funny lately that you're just like what's going on with this
2: Um. well I'm getting older I just had a birthday and I find that I like even though my eyes are going like um even even my hindsight isn't twenty twenty anymore John <laughs> um, yeah. I can see things more clearly, like it's it's obvious to me what's what should be a priority, yeah, so um I've been taking my time more, and I think i'm um I've grown up on stage, so real I'm not a good cook, even my dogs are eating out. These days. <laughs> oh, that's embarrassing. Um, but I watch all the cooking shows. I'm like obsessed mm-hmm. with Chopped and Top Chef and Beat Bobby Flay. And my husband's like, why do you bother? You don't know how to cook. I said, I might learn something. You know, I, and I also watch all the true crime shows, honey. Um, <laughs> I'm just Are you, doing a joke for you,
0: John. Do you, do you have that notepad out during Dateline? Oh. Put that away.
2: <laughs> I don't yeah, want the notepad like, out. You not want to see me taking notes in the middle of the night watching the Alex Murdoch trial.
0: Oh, my gosh. How about that? That trial. Oh, my God. I avoided that until like a couple days before. And then I was just like, I got to look this guy up. I mean, he's guilty of a billion different things. There's like five other cases. I didn't even cases. know about
2: it until a few days before. And then I could not stop watching it. And yeah. I, think it's cause, I think it's because I want to see somebody who's guilty convicted because there's so much that people get away with these days. Yeah. So that's why I was obsessed with it. So I'm with Bobby Miyamoto. Love Bobby. And David Spade, who I've gotten to work with a couple of times in L.A. and in Utah, and so I'm thrilled to be going back on the road. That's great. To open for him. Yeah, he's the funniest, coolest, nicest celebrity that I've met. Yeah, I got to
0: open for David uh, at the Hampton Beach Casino Ballroom a couple years ago. (gasps) So. That was oh. a, that was a dream come true for me because that's like I mean that was like my that's like my home venue it's like my home court it's where I had my junior prom in high school no. yeah and then I was you there grow up
2: in, in New Hampshire
0: grew up in New Hampshire I grew up uh, in Northampton I was about gosh ten minutes from the casino ballroom and uh, I was I was I was teaching at Emerson at the time and so I got the call and I was like do you want to come back and You'd go to the ballroom. I was like, of course. Like, this was like, it was like a dream. And it was just to go up on that stage was oh. just uh, unbelievable. Like, it was just all the historic acts that have played there. Just everybody. Like, you know, the the oh, Doors and the Beach Boys and, you know, U2 and all these great acts. Oh, and, my and it, god. And as as Seth Meyers famously said, I love what you haven't done with the place. (laughs) But it was great because you're like, it still is cool and you go up and it looks exactly the same. And, David was great. He came backstage and uh, he, he met my mom, which was, of course, embarrassing. But uh, he was. Uh, it was funny because it, similar senses of humor, so it was, it was cool seeing oh, those two interact. Wow. But uh, yeah, you know, he's a great I guy. I saw
2: Tracy Chapman open for Suzanne Vega in that room. Wow, in the eighties. That's I know.
0: awesome. That's. Yeah. I have
2: one other story about driving to New Hampshire. Yeah. So I started before. Cell phones before I started doing stand up before GPS and I was always more nervous about finding the venue yep. than oh, I was sure. about actually performing. Yes. And um, kids today don't know how easy they have. Nope. it. I would be copying down the directions on a napkin at lunch. Yeah. Turn left at the at the TARD at the non-tard driveway. <laughs> and um, so I'm driving by myself to New Hampshire, and I'm daydreaming, and I think, oh, my God, I think I missed my exit. And I was panicking, and I didn't have a map. And I pull over, and I'm just trying to calm myself down. And then I realize on the bottom of my shoes is a map of New Hampshire.
0: Oh. Because
2: they were made in New Hampshire.
0: Oh and my god. It was just
2: like this—not um, kinky, but it was just like this uh, funky thing on yeah. the bottom of my shoe. So I literally look at the bottom of my shoe, <laughs> and I'm like, "No, I didn't pass my exit."
0: <laughs> Wendy Lieben and her her amazing shoe. <laughs> <laughs> you know what you should do tomorrow night? Put your set list on your on the bottom of your sneaker, and just walk out I there. Think just keep checking it. <laughs> I I that's a really good idea. <laughs> David'll love that. Yeah, that won't <laughs> that won't bother him at all. What's the, what's the deal with the girl in the shoe over there? Uh, for all things Wendy Liebman, visit wendyliebman dot com.